Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, September 16th, two days before Super Mario 3D All-Stars launches. I can't wait, guys. It's going to be so much fun to play Sunshine again in Galaxy. It's going to be great. Uh, my name, of course, with the nerdy kind of knowledge, as always, is Javier Reyes, your host of this year, Locked On Padres Podcast. Check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno, which is spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. That's how you spell it. And if you feel so inclined, hit me up on either of those two accounts or the Gmail, which is LockdownPadres at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or concerns you might have, and I'll do my best to answer them here on the show. And today's show, I actually did just that. I put out a call for... Um, uh, some some mailbag questions uh, the other day, and we got some, some from myself and whatnot, and John and I kind of went through them. Um, definitely some geeky, silly ones out here for sure that have nothing to do with baseball for the most part. They at least somewhat do, uh, most of them, uh, but there's some anime ones in here, uh, and I know you guys know that that's part of my brand, and that's just part of the things that I love so much, uh, but those are part of here. But then also some really uh, fun conversations about like Chris Paddock and you know just, just underrated plays of the Padres season, and of course... Fernando Tatis found a way to get into the mailbag. I mean, I mean, you knew it was coming. It's like the event horizon. You knew it was coming, but you couldn't stop it. You know what I'm saying? So uh, without further ado, guys, let's get into part one of the mailbag portion of this. And then Wednesday, of course, we're going to have, or I'm sorry, Thursday, we're going to have the, the second half of our mailbag discussion. But uh, I've been talking too much already, it feels like. So without further ado, guys, let's go. But now, Jai, are you ready to get into the mailbag? Because I'm ready. Can I say one oh, yeah. quick thing before we go on yeah, the mailbag? Just because I haven't seen it, so I don't know if this question is is asked. And I just, uh, on the off chance that that Jace Tingler and AJ Preller <laughs> listen to this podcast, I need to say, um, before we get off the Dodgers series, although I'm sure there'll be questions about the Dodgers series, game one starter is Denelson Lamette. Game two is Zach Davies. Game three starter, if Paddock is not pitching, which he probably shouldn't, and, and in reality mm-hmm. should probably just be kind of put into the bullpen for the rest of the year or put on the IL for the rest of the year. Um, it's time for Mackenzie Gore. Like mm. the, the Dodgers struggle against left-handed pitching, um, especially if they can win game one and game two and game three is just kind of like whatever we won the series. It's not a, it's not a rubber match. Uh, yeah. I would love, love, love to see the Padres make noise on a nationally televised game and say, we're going to call up our star um, future ace lefty pitcher and we're going to have him try and shut down the Dodgers on national TV uh, that's that would be um, kind of my dream for the the next three days so uh, yeah for the record 100% was one of my uh, mailbag questions I was going to ask about where they should try and start Gore uh, against the Dodgers that would be just such a flex and such a we're here moment for a nationally televised game but whatever I, I agree with that take I think it'd be super interesting yeah, how many times have the Padres faced teams that, you know, even including the Dodgers, where it's like, oh, the Dodgers just called up this guy. It's his first start. And we're all like, oh, man, it's his first start. We can tag this guy. And then he ends up pitching, you know, seven innings, giving up no runs. And we're just like, oh, man, it's happening again. Like, <laughs> yeah. why can't that be the Padres just once? Why can't that be us? Yeah, why not? Why not? I mean, this has been the season, though, man. This has been the season where it has been us. So who knows, you know, what happens there. But uh, on that note, uh, you know, I, I teased the mail back a bunch. I'm excited for it. And, and look, let me just like get this out of the way. All right. So there's a lot of goofy questions in here. People who listen to the podcast know that this is part of my brand, the nerd pop culture stuff for sure. Some things aren't even about baseball in here. There are some in here, but I just want to say, you know, not not too many people, not too many of the listeners sent in questions. And on the one hand, John, 
this was to be expected since I, you know, kind of did it last second. I'm not going to lie. It was a little bit of my fault. But on the other hand, you know, listeners, I'm on to you. I'm on to you because you love they love showing their displeasure every now and then with any call I I have that's wrong, right? Oh, the the Padres dugout doesn't seem so fun this time, man. It's like, yeah, they didn't score any runs. They're so quick to do that. And then, you know, when I'm literally encouraging them to, to make your voice heard, they pull like an Aaron Judge and then they just disappear come playoff time. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just I'm on to the listeners. I just wanted to get that out there. <laughs> Anyways, first question comes from myself. Um, it's a simple one to kind of get everything, get the ball rolling. If you were building a team for just this season, if you're looking at everything right now, how many people would you take for this season right now over Fernando Tatis? Wait, what? Like if you just had to look oh, like, into the like, team. Like all of baseball. Yeah, like all of baseball, like in a vacuum, who would you select over him? Nobody. Like Nobody? You don't think so? No, no. Like there, I think there are players <laughs> that are – better than Fernando Tatis Jr. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think he's at Mike Trout's level yet, but he's 21 years old. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, I was, earlier today, I was looking at two things. Um, one, I was remembering that uh, last year, maybe even the year before, I was trying to figure out the last time a Padre finished the season batting over 300. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the answer was like Adrian Gonzalez, uh, you know, far enough uh, back that, you know, Adrian Gonzalez was actually on the Padres. Um, and I saw Tatis did it last year. He was the only guy in the Padres to do it last year. And he's one of several guys to do it this year. Like Cronenworth batting 323, Machado's mm-hmm. batting 313. Uh, Ty France was batting 309 before getting traded to the Mariners and turning into a human blowtorch. Um, Myers and Tatis are in the 290s. Uh, they could make it there. Hosmer is probably done for the year, but he was at 288. Um, but then I, I started looking at the age of these players and it's like, there is two distinct categories of, of players in the Padres roster by age, position players. There are the guys in their early 20s, and there are the guys in their late 20s and you know maybe touching 30, right? So you look at the guys from uh, late 20s touching 30, and you have Cronenworth, 26, Machado, 27, Myers, 29, Hosmer, 30, uh, Nola, 30, Greg Garcia, 30, Profar, 27, um, I'm going to skip Castro because I don't, he's 33, but whatever. Uh, (laughs) And then you, and Jorge Mateo is 25. And then you look at the other guys that are like 20, 21. And it's like Luis Campisano is 21. Um, I'm going to skip Tatis for now. Uh, Grisham is 23. Uh, Luis Torrens, when he was here, was 24. Edward Olivares is 24. Jorge Onya is 23 uh francisco mejia when he was here is 24 like most of those guys are not contributing in significant ways except for grisham who's 23 and played most of last season with with the brewers tatis is 21 years old and clearly the best player on this team uh a best player on a really good team like you don't find guys that are this good at 21 because usually you don't peak until you're in that second group you're 25 plus so, mm-hmm. like, Tatis has four more years of essentially growth before he's yeah. even, like, thinking about hitting his peak. So, and and right now he's either the MVP of the season or he's, like, second or third on the ballot. So, I don't see how, if you were starting a baseball team, you could possibly pick any other player. Um, I'm not really considering pitchers, but uh, I don't right. see how you could. 
Yeah, and I think that for I, I agree with you. I think that and if you just take into account like just who you want on your team in terms of excitement and whatnot, uh, I think he's definitely up there. And I think that maybe I think the only people you could maybe say is chat and bets just because uh, I think that in a vacuum, if it was just for this one season, I might say, yeah, I might want those guys instead. But for the most part, I think you kind of laid it down perfectly, honestly. So I don't really have much to add. Uh, I and think Mookie, Tatis Mookie, has been Mookie, just incredible. Mookie Betts is 27. So, and, and mm-hmm. he's about, he's literally like days away from turning 28. So he's seven years older yeah. than Fernando Tatis Jr. And Trout, I think, is either 30 or about to be 30. He's like, about to be 30. I'm pretty right. sure. So, so that, that would make him eight to nine years uh, older than, than Tatis. Like the Padres could sign Tatis right now to a contract that makes him a Padre for the next seven or eight years. And by the end of the contract, he still would be like where Trout is right now or where Betts is like, you know, at, uh, next year. So yeah, he, he has a lot more of a really incredible career left to go. Absolutely. And, and I think it sometimes gets forgotten. I, not the, I think people forget he's not like 24, you know, and I think that he's, you know, like you said, he's 20, he's 20 years old. Like, it's not like he's in that middling mid twenties, like age. It's like, no, this guy's like, it's almost, a, I don't know. This might I be think- one of the most, like since Harper, I'm trying to like young guy who kind of made a splash. So like super, super young, not just young. I'm trying to think like one of the last guys that was like at that age. I'm trying to think. Like if there's if- any. If Tatis wasn't here, we would all be drooling over the fact that Trent Grisham is this good at 23 years yeah, old. Or, 100%. Or Jorge Onya just got called up at 23 years old. Or Luis Campisano came up at 21 and looked good for a game before before getting hurt. Like We'd be drooling over these guys who are still years older than Fernando Tatis yeah. Jr. is now. And he's you know about to finish up his second incredible season with the Padres. So... Um, this is how, like, if you look back at the careers of, you know, guys like Tony Gwynn that, that play for 20 years or close to it, like the only way to do that is to get called up when you're 19, 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And that almost never happens. And it did happen, my friend. And here we are today. Now, uh, even my friends who don't watch baseball, they know who this guy is now. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my uh, first question. Now, next we have a question from twitter we're getting weird now some things that i'm going to be able to answer i don't know about you john but uh you're going in blind to this but this is from jason burke on twitter at by jason b he said who is the best character in my hero academia and why is it sue uh john i don't know if you're a big uh, anime guy i certainly am um i don't know if you saw literally my picture uh icon on twitter um yeah i but i think with the show jason is it's every character with the exception of the grape dude um it's fantastic uh and i don't want to get into why great boy is the worst and is literally the reason why i have trouble recommending animates people because of characters like that um but yeah i agree with you man and i think uh i think bakugo would be the other one that people ride for um just because that dude somehow without spoiling anything has like an inferiority complex and superiority complex i've never i don't know many characters like that so it's just very weird but uh thanks for the question jason thank you for keeping it on brands <laughs> john have you watched any anime of any sorts before Oh man, um, uh, not for many, many years. Uh, if, if again, I, I kind of fight with my uh, two and a half year old daughter for the TV. Uh, when I have it, it's usually sports, and when she has it, it's uh, other things. So, if you want to hear about the best characters on Daniel Tiger uh, or PJ Masks <laughs> or Llama Llama, um, I'm down for that. Hey, hey, that's a, all, all worthy in their own 
right you know what i'm saying and whoa, 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 just wait just a second everybody i gotta talk to you about built bar those homies over there man let me tell you because when i'm hungry you know what i want man sometimes i just want some some dang candy you know what i mean i want some candy i want something a nice snackaroo you know what i mean to kind of uh to satisfy the sweet tooth that i've been having for so long in my life but you know what's great about built bar not only is it a great snack it's super smooth and delicious and chewy and soft and chocolatey but guess what it's also super healthy for you. It's perfect for the health conscious guy or gal. You know, they're great. They're low calorie. They're low sugar. They're high protein. They're high fiber. They're great even if you're on that old keto diet that I hear so much about. And let's talk about the new flavors at Built Bar, guys. They've got Caramel Brownie. They got Cookies and Cream. Cherry Barcia. Lemon Almond Cheesecake, which sounds delightful. And Carrot Cake and Apple Almond crisp. Did I just make you really hungry? Good, because only a fool would it be hungry after hearing those type of flavors, guys. So guys, I have a, a deal for you, right? These super healthy, super chewy, super yummy uh, health bars uh, at Built Bar. You get a free cooler with your purchase when you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your next order. That's right. Not only do you get the free cooler, you also get $10 off your next order. So use promo code Locked On for $10 off at BuiltBar.com, guys. Go do that. You won't regret it. And now I have my my next question. This is kind of a little bit of a fun one. What is your favorite underrated, do you think? And th- this is, of course, subjective. Your favorite underrated play of the season oh, for, the, for the Padres? Um, like I said, I have a really terrible memory. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably not going to be able to pick out a specific play um, mm-hmm. and certainly not an underrated one. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that, uh, like I just said a minute ago, I, I think the kind of amazingness of Trent Grisham really gets lost here. Like it's, it's strange to to think of him because I think a lot of us consider him almost a finished product, despite the fact that he's 23 and he like guys that are that talented at that age tend to yeah. get better at 24 and better at 25. And he's already really good. Um, but the underrated part of him and that trade that no one really expected because he never played center field for the Milwaukee Brewers is he is an excellent center fielder. And it's kind of been a while since the Padres had an excellent center fielder. Like, I think Margot had the tools to be an excellent center fielder, but Grisham's jump on balls and his routes to balls, uh, Mm. and he has this really good um, decision-making about when to dive and when not to dive, uh, has Mm -hmm. been a really underrated part of the Padres' defense, which is usually showcased by Tatis and Machado. Um, He's been really excellent in center field. I think him being excellent in center field has made the jobs of whoever's in left field, which now is pro far uh, and whoever's in right field, which is usually Myers a lot easier. And so um, he's not like the MVP of the the team or the season, but mm-hmm. he's one of those guys that like, if he were to get injured or get sick or something and have to be replaced, you would see it affect not just that position at center field, but almost every other position on the field. It would affect the pitching. It would affect the right fielder. It would affect the left fielder. It would affect some of that up the middle um, infield defense as well. He's just been really, really good, and he helps everyone else on the team. I agree. And at, uh, there was a time when I would have disagreed with you and questioned whether or not we thought uh, Shrek Christian was great at center field. He made some weird mistakes uh, early on in the season, and I think he had one. It was against Chris Taylor. He just didn't time the balls uh, perfectly. But they weren't like bloopy super super bad errors but uh i think basically ever since then 
Um, that might be one of the most underrated parts of him for sure. I don't think I've seen him make like any mistake really. And it's been really great. And like you said, with Manny Margot, um, he was kind of one of the fears I feel like with the season and you might feel differently was just like, do we know like if this trade for, for Pagan makes sense, considering we don't know if Grisham can for sure play center and Manny Margot at least kind of can do that. Um, and look, turns out that that concern was, a. Uh, um, you know, not needed, I guess you could say. Um, I think my pick for most underrated play, it's two. I've mentioned them on the podcast before. First one's a little a little weird, but it's the Myers Grand Slam the day after the Tatis controversy because I think more people talk about the first one, the Tatis one, and then the uh, like the last one from Hosmer, which breaks the record, uh, the dope record that they have now. I think there's just something awesome to be said for the very first game spotlights odd that but for Myers to get up there and just clock one out of the park it was just super incredible and I think people forget that a little bit and the next one is a play that um happened recently it was a blown throw I'm forgetting who it was by me it was Tim Hill I forgot where I'm trying to get the ball to first base in a hurry and it just goes sailing over I assume it was Hosmer playing first and Jake Cronenworth kind of out of nowhere does like a Superman <laughs> dive to make sure that it doesn't go into the outfield. I don't know if the guy could have run to second on that, but just the showcase of athleticism, I think on that play, I don't know if you remember that one, John, but that one was just really like, wow, I don't know if that necessarily saved the city runs, but it was just really cool to say. I didn't see that one. Um, I do like the, the Myers grand slam. That's a good call. I also think out of the four grand slams, that may have been the only like opposite field one, which uh, mm-hmm. is always just 10 times more impressive. Um, I did think of one though, and this okay. is like super, go. super under the radar, but it was, it was one of my favorite plays of the season and it was really early and it really set the tone because going into the season, um, the start of the season, everyone thought like we have, we have two aces, right? It's Lament and Paddock. We have two aces and Paddock obviously came out of the gate a little weird and it was like, oh, it's okay. Cause we have, we have Richards and Richards is there and he can, he can fill the, the Paddock role. We still have, you know, one and a half aces and, mm-hmm. um, I think we were just all lacking confidence a little bit in the starting rotation uh, for, for a second. And then Davies came out and in his first outing, he was amazing. And in his second outing, he was amazing. And I believe it was his second outing when there was uh, he got an infield pop-up and Machado came to get it and he called him off and he caught it himself. And it was this like amazing moment of this guy who's pretty small in stature mm-hmm. uh, looking at the $300 million yeah. third baseman who's, you know, kind of built like a Mack truck and saying like, no, 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 get out of here. I'm, I'm, I, I can handle this. Like I'm an athlete. I can catch mm-hmm. a ball. It's fine. And it was, you know, pitchers, a lot of them really like to be babied. You know, they, they like to have the defense come in and catch that ball for them. So they don't have to worry about making focus on the pitching. And it was just this total badass moment from, from Davies where he was just like, no, I'm a complete pay- player. I can shut them down. I can catch a pop fly. Um, and I think that's when everyone's perception on Davies changed a little bit to like, oh no, like he he might be the second best pitcher in our starting rotation now. And obviously now that they have Clevenger, he's, he's probably second or he's probably third. Um, but that was a real turning point, I think mentally, I don't know for the team, but for me as a fan to go like, oh man, it's it's not Lamette and a bunch of other guys. It's Lamette and Davies and other guys. And that was cool for me. Yeah, I, that's a great pick, man. That's a great pick. I'm glad I, I guess I kind of, however I did, it jolted your memory a little bit. A lot. Of, I think there's just been a lot of underrated plays um, by the Padres this season. And, and we already talked about the pitching rotation. You're right. Davies is like captain underrated. 
of arguably the NL, I would wager, honestly. I can't I can't really think of maybe that guy on the Brewers, the relief pitcher that I forgot his name. Um, maybe him just because he's on the Brewers and nobody is I haven't heard literally one thing I think from the Brewers literally all year, um, aside from just Christian Yelich not being the same. Um, so that would be my other pick for underrated pitchers. But yeah, I agree. Um, moving on now to another uh, anime-based question uh, from Dylan Short at Dylan X Short on Twitter. He said, and this one you might be able to help me with in terms of personality traits, so I'll have to explain it, but you'll see. Uh, if the Padres were members of Naruto Shippuden, who would each player be? Uh, there's lots of layers to this. I'd say as a big fan, is one of my favorite shows ever. Um, the original actually is, so not the sequel series Shippuden, but that's a whole other thing entirely. Um, I was talking to Dylan. He actually messaged me and said, oh, the obvious one is the main character, the star. That Tatis is Naruto, right? I actually disagree with that because Naruto, if you don't know, John, which I assume you don't know, <laughs> um, Naruto's an underdog scrub for most of that show. Tatis was never really had this, like, he was never this loser. This is a top prospect, you know what I mean, coming up into baseball. I don't think that that makes sense for for this particular comp. I actually think that uh, this character, Killer B, makes more sense who, you know, was a top type of uh, prospect in this Naruto universe versus um, Naruto himself. And then some other ones, Will Myers, I have Shikamaru, kind of this aloof sort of guy. You know what I mean? Like this kind of like laid back type of personality. That's what I have for him. Uh, a funny one I have, we haven't talked about him at all. And there's good reason. Um, Francisco Mejia, I have as the character Ten Ten, who infamously uh, in Naruto gets literally no screen time. Uh, I make that comp because Francisco Mejia probably should have gotten more uh, screen time like Ten Ten and didn't. And instead it was given to players that I think were uh, inferior, honestly, in a lot of ways, it didn't have nearly as much as upside, but that's just me. Not to bring up the whole hedges uh, take. How do you feel about the Mejia hedges kind of conversation? I know that one's kind of like drifted away, but how did you feel about that? Um, I I felt like neither was a very good option. Like it was <laughs> it was just kind of lose lose. You either had the guy who who couldn't hit, uh, or or Mejia who you know obviously they they you know pitchers didn't like to throw to him, and he had his defensive struggles. I think this year. Um, Mejia was actually just as strong as Hedges defensively, but he just couldn't get the bat going. And, mm-hmm. you know, when, when they trade for you for your bat and you're only up here for your bat and the bat can't get going, like that's a problem. And um, the good news for Mejia is that, you know, the, the DH seems to be working out well in the NL and it might be coming back. So uh, even though they have Nola and I guess they have Castro and Campisano is, is on his way. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that Mejia has to get traded somewhere else that, that needs a catcher. Um, probably what makes the most sense for him is for him to just turn into uh, a DH that, you know, can occasionally go play in left field for a game. Uh, and I, I look forward to him getting a chance to do that because I've, I've always thought that he was kind of an underrated bat. Yeah. Maybe he'll be featured in some type of trade or something in the future. I don't know. It's going to be interesting kind of seeing those off season things, especially now that they have uh, Nola and we, yeah, with you mentioned with Campizano, who I think he hit the home run, I think, in his one game, which was awesome uh, to see. Um, and then just for it to round out some other characters uh, that I would pick, Zach Davies or Drew Pomerantz, I've had as Chino, just these kind of these people that are lurking in the background, super underrated, but low key are just extremely powerful. Uh, who else we got here? Jake Cronenworth, I would have as Naruto just because he's kind of not a highly touted prospect. Um, by basically anybody, you know what I mean? And then has come up and just been a star over time and can kind of do it all. That'd be more of my pick there. Jerickson profile for Rock Lee, just because he's got a heart of gold, not a super, super duper talent. Um, Profar has had a lot of injuries like Rock Lee has in the show. Um, and I think that, 
you know, it's just I just love watching that guy play, man. And he clearly is a good. Uh, I don't know about you, but I feel like he's a big, uh, big time like clubhouse guy. I think those guys are always just having so much fun there. Um, Trent Grisham Neji because he's super calm on the surface, but in the inside, he's got he, he could blow up a little bit. I don't know if you remember when he got thrown out um, at home uh, back when the Padres weren't as invincible as they are now against in the Dodgers series by uh, Chris Taylor where he was just, it looked like he was about to Hulk out in the dugout. I don't know if you remember that, but that was yeah. uh, at one point. Oh man, I was just, I was devastated at that. I'm watching that. It's late. I'm really tired. I was working all day. <laughs> I'm just like, oh no. And I think they did make the right decision sending him there. It was just an out of, not an out of nowhere, but a somewhat inconceivable play at the time kind of throw from Chris Taylor nail him. Um, and Chris Paddock, the last one, I have him for Kiba because Big Bark, not as much of a, uh, a big bite. You know what I mean? And once you figure out his first move, there's the potential, potential, John. I don't want to spew hyperbole, but there's the potential that if you figure out his main move, that it's easier to kind of hit him. You know what I mean? With Chris Paddock's changeup. I made a comp um, with uh, Brady Lim the other day uh, on this podcast we were doing where I'm not saying he's similar. I just wanted to reiterate, but it reminds me of the Tanaka thing for the Yankees where he had this splitter going for him and he was awesome that first season. And then maybe people just started to figure out that that was his main pitch. So I'm hoping that Paddock doesn't go that same way. But even if he does, it's still a quality kind of starter that you potentially have on the team. Yeah, I mean, the the great thing about um, baseball fans and Padres Twitter is that there's a lot of uh, really smart kind of obsessive people that are doing, you know, actual film study, like stuff that players yeah. and coaches get paid for. And they're just doing it in their free time. And a couple of them uh, have figured out and then a couple of the, the pros as well from like fan graphs and I think Pitching Ninja. Um have basically said that Paddock's uh, release point is a little different this year. And as a result mm-hmm. of it, his fastball isn't, uh, it doesn't have that late run that it had last year. It's a lot more straight. Um, that's a thing that he can work on, that he can get better at. Um, they like, Paddock is going to be fine. Uh, and his his curveball actually looks pretty good this year. His changeup is still great. So like in total, I think Chris Paddock is going to be totally fine. Uh, I'm not that worried about him. Uh, I think going forward, we're going to see something a lot closer to the guy he was last year than the guy he was this year. Uh, I don't think he's going to fix it necessarily this year, but I think he'll fix it overall because all he really has to do is fix that release point and he'll have three good pitches. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think I'm willing to be I am a little bit nervous just because, you know, develop more pitches maybe just or can he I should say develop more pitches develop and just locate the fastball better. I mean, Jesus. Um, But uh, I think I'm willing to more side on this, the side of just sophomore slump. You know what I mean? And when you come into the league with this, that, that devastating change up and people start to realize that that's what your thing is. And especially if you're not playing well. And like you said, with the release point and some other uh, things that people are looking into, it just spells kind of not doom, but just like a little bit of a, uh, you know, sophomore slump in, Hey, he's the type of guy that next year for all my fantasy baseball fans out there, I draft him. Because he's good, his stock is going to be un, way too low considering what his potential upside is. But yeah, I agree with you, John. All right, guys, just a second, going to cut it off there. You'll have to get uh, tomorrow's episode to listen to the rest of our mailbag questions. They're really good. We especially talk about uh, one in particular that I thought was great. I know John put this out on Twitter where we talk about kind of baseball culture and stuff, and we have really serious kind of analysis on all that stuff. And uh, that's really great, really, really uh uh, a really great moment, I think, that I've had on the podcast for sure. So look forward to that tomorrow. And I actually forgot that last night was a game. I, I haven't recapped it at all in today's episode. Um, just for one, uh, man, 
it was such a bummer having the bases loaded, and for once, you know, the the Padres didn't come through against Jansen. And I know Jansen isn't, um, you know, he's not untouchable anymore, so that raises uh, part of the belief why I thought that they could have done it and see both Myers and Cronenworth kind of uh, just unbelievable breakout players for the team. They both struck out. Uh, I was watching that, and that that stunk. And they kind of, you know, Davies was pretty good, and. Gonsolin was pretty good too, so it was a little bit, again, almost a little bit of a pitcher's duel. So it was unfortunate there that they couldn't um, fully come through, but there wasn't anything, you know, it happens. They were due. They were they were due. Like we, I think we won like eight in a row around this time. So hopefully they can win this uh, the rubber game of the series and kind of determine who wins the series and who maybe gets a little bit more of an advantage and try and get that NL West kind of crown. So we'll see what happens uh, today. It's a little bit of an earlier game today, actually. Uh, the episode should be out. I actually think today's episode will be out um, before you guys uh, start watching the game. So, you know, hopefully uh, nothing crazy happens, I guess, between now and then. Uh, still hoping that the the Padres can kind of win that one. Um, but with all that being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, the SoundCloud, the, not the SoundCloud, the Overcast app, wherever wherever you get your podcasts, you could probably find it on there. Uh, go leave um, some nice reviews of the show if you'd like on the iTunes app and go follow the show or myself on Twitter you know at LO underscore Padres at Javapeno and until next time stay safe and of course stay faithful my fire faithful homies take care